Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. If you're wondering why it's a little dark in here, we blew our circuit breakers in the first service. So the first service was in the dark. You came in the light. I promise you we paid our electricity bill. It wasn't that. And um, so we, we are running on generators this morning, which is amazing. Are you ready for 20 minutes? Can you give me 20 minutes? 20 minutes. Uh, but uh, that means I'm just going to burn for 20 minutes. Is that all right? We are in the middle of a series, and we're more than a series. We're in the middle of a move and a transition as a church. We are planting a church in the middle of the city of Cape Town in probably one of the most historic and profound buildings in the life of Cape Town and churches. And I want to say, come be a part of that. Maybe you're never going to travel across on a Sunday evening to be a part of the community, but on Wednesday night, we are worshiping in a 180-year-old church. The first church where slaves were liberated to worship in the city. The first church, church that's seen a revival in the 60s in the city. It's profound. It's powerful. Come be a part of it. Maybe you won't come be a part of the community, but come be a part of it. See what God is doing. He is on the move. He has graciously provided and made way for this to happen, and we're so excited. But in the light of that, I want to say God doesn't just move us corporately and as a people, and it's like, go past the guys and what leaders. No, God wants to get into our lives. He wants to get into your life, and He's speaking to us. From an amazing scripture and text in Deuteronomy 1, he's challenging us this incredible text of actually break camp, advance, and take the hill country, occupy the land. And I want to say that's a word not to us as a people. This is not a motivational speech. This is a challenge to us as a people because the challenge of God's word comes at a time where God's people were stuck. They couldn't go back to Pharaoh where they'd come from. And they couldn't go forward into the promised land. They were stuck in this middle of no man's land. Not a good place to be. A journey that should have taken 11 days took 40 years. They navigated 40 years around the mountains again and again. 40 years camp next to his mountains. 40 years waiting for manna from heaven. All good things. And God was incredibly kind and gracious to them. But a journey that should have actually just taken them 11 years took 40 years. 11 days. I've seen that too often in the church, guys. I prayed to with too many people who said, I encountered this when I was 11 years old, and now at 68, God is, I'm allowing God to get to this. I'm saying, sometimes, there are times that it'll take time and that, but most of the time, we can avail ourselves and allow ourselves to come into the Word of God, and most of the time, it's by pursuing and following His Word. God's Word came to a people who had seen them liberated from chains. It had seen them walk through a sea. It had seen them swallow up their enemies. They had seen all of that firsthand, first generation, and yet they chose not to trust God. They chose to go, mm, those are Malachites. Mm, too big. And we are just like grasshoppers. And Joshua's looking around saying, guys, are you crazy? Our God is the God who broke the chains and took down Pharaoh and sent the ten plagues and opened the seas. Are you crazy? Our God has told us to go. He's not negotiating and asking whether we feel like it. He's saying, I've got a land for you. Not a land where water just comes from a rock, which is glorious in itself. He's got something even greater, a land flowing with milk and honey. But they got stuck. Had the privilege two weeks ago of or a couple of weeks ago, going on holiday with my family. And um, part of the holiday, you obviously, we, we, with my three kids and an 18-hour drive, we'll do anything to fly. It's just what it is. It's better. Hey, Cairns, we've decided for now. Just for us. 
But there's this new thing, and I, I, I've been given access to something that when I was younger was this ethereal place, this kind of mystical place of wonders you've only heard about and thought only Lani's go to that place where food lies out in abundance and people just keep bringing more and more. It's called the slow lounge. Where busy people can take it slow. And so... Back in the day, I remember my first entries in the slow lounge. Like, oh, and you take one Coke. You're like, can I have another one? No one's watching. I can have another. You can take a magazine. It's this amazing place. So we go on holiday this time, and I have the privilege of taking one person into the slow lounge. And although I desperately wanted it to be my wife, <laughs> he thought that was funny. We came up, sir. I'll take each of our boys as we go. So we decided, I'm going to take Judah in this time. So Ken's had to take the others who keep them. And we got a gap. And now you know you get that judgment look by the business guys. They're like, I've come here to work. I've worked hard to be in this place. You're bringing children in here. Yeah, they don't say that, but you know it. Just the, the shoulder rub at the profiteroles. And um, took Judah in the first time on the way up. All the other kids are like, ah. Oh. And Judah, he just, he, he's a maximizer. He's going to take this opportunity. He's going to run with it. So two hot chocolates, a grape tizer, about 14 profita rolls, every little thing he could get his hands on. In the 45 minutes we're in there, he just went for it. Wow. Comes back, and I'm, I'm, I'm on the way down the elevator. I say, boy, rather don't tell your brothers everything right. As the, hey, guys. I had, and the other guy looking at me. So on the way back, every day of the holiday, Ben comes. Remember, Dad? Special place. Me, yeah? Next time. It's me. Boy, we're on the beach. Enjoy the beach. No, Dad, we're just from every day. Then we get to the airport, and the plane's delayed, so he's got even more time. So we walk in, and Ben's like, he says, this is amazing. Amazing. So, Ben, we walk in. We get our seats. I say, you see that table of food? You can get anything you want. Boy, you can take anything you want, and we don't even have to pay for it. He's like, what, Dad? That's amazing. I'm like, go, boy. And I had work to do, so I sit down, and Ben goes, and he's gone for about two minutes, comes back. Boiled egg. <laughs> Boiled egg and a sandwich. So, the, oh, different kids. And um, so I said, boy, see that drinks thing? You can go have any drink you want there. Go get whatever you want. I won't even tell mom. I promise. Just get... Have a Coke if you really feel like it. Just, it comes back, Sprite Zero. <laughs> but that was him. That was amazing. The challenges, and everyone loves the slow lounge. No one actually goes to the slow lounge as a destination in itself. And if you do, it's a little bit weird. Just be honest. It's very comfortable. It's awesome. But you actually go there so that you get on a plane and go to a destination and experience something in another place or advance business or do whatever it is you are doing. But it would be strange and weird to get stuck in the slow lounge. I want to speak this morning about getting stuck in the slow lounge. As God's people find themselves stuck in a slow lounge, a place of comfort, a place where God provided abundantly, where God brought water from rocks, where God broke, kept breaking and he put shelter from the enemies weren't attacking them. But they were stuck between their past of slavery and their future of abundance in God. They were stuck there. They justified it there, and they went round and round and round. And God says, I, I haven't called you to that. See, the challenge is God did call them to worship in the wilderness. He spoke, and God, he used Moses to speak, let my people go so they may worship me. Where? In the wilderness. Which is awesome. So they went into the wilderness. The challenge is God spoke again. 
And they got stuck in their place of comfort. They got stuck in this place of smallness. And I want to tell you the greatest killers of God-faith stories are fear, are comfort, are these challenges. And as believers, we don't get to just sit still and see what happens in life. We get to take a hold of Jesus and in faith, faith that honors God. And you know why faith that honors God? Because God, I believe, honors faith too. And he wants to see us as people rising up in faith, a faith that looks different to this world when it makes sense to this world, but a faith that actually our God can bring water to this farm when there is no water. And he will use situations and circumstances like that. He spoke these words in Deuteronomy 1. These are the words that Moses spoke to all in Israel, in the wilderness east of the Jordan. This in the Arabah opposite Sabir, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizabab. I want to carry on to verse 6. Then, the, sorry, the Lord our God said to us at Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples of the Arabah in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land. The, land swore, God, Lord, the Lord swore he would give to your forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. You know what I love about, and I find challenging about that is, I get really excited about the future. I'm a future guy. And for many people, we get really excited about the future, and many people see potential in the future and get excited about that. What they don't process at that time is what they have to leave behind to walk into it. So let's be example. Most of us, beginning of the year, I get really excited about getting back in shape. This is going to be the year of the athlete. This one, 2019. What I don't like leaving behind, Milo and rusks and sleeping in. I don't like leaving behind. So I find myself drawn back into this place, stuck in the middle a little bit. And God says, actually, I've got something more for you. He challenges. I want to speak three things this morning that actually I believe get us stuck in the middle. The first one is a place of comfort. Because this place is Horeb. And it's amazing. It says this. The Lord our God said to us where? A place is important. At Horeb. He said, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. See, what does Horeb mean? Because for the people of God, it's where they would got stuck. They'd been there for a year. They had no enemies attacking. Life was pretty good. They were comfortable at this place called Horeb. So we come to this thing. What does Horeb mean? Well, it, Horeb means to dry up, to be in ruins, to lay waste in desolation. God's people had got comfortable in a place where they were drying up. They were in a place of desolation and they'd got comfortable there. They'd been found an ability to do Life there, they'd found an ability to do community there. They'd access the resources of heaven through water from rocks and manna from heaven. But they got comfortable in this place. And God has to speak again at Horeb and say, actually, you need to leave this place. Comfort is a killer. I want to tell you in a God story, in a faith story, when sometimes when our enemies aren't attacking us, we're at our most vulnerable in terms of the call of God in our life. So we're just on the back foot, in neutral gear. Just look at David, sitting on a patio. He should have been on the front lines of battle with his army, but he retired. And in that place of apathy, he finds himself falling the biggest fall. It's a tragedy when I go back to Durban, as I see people who love Jesus, 
but also love some things that they struggle to leave behind. And year after year I go, and many years later, after being in pastoral ministry for many years, people stuck in the same place, fighting the same battles, saying the same thing to me, that if I could only do this, if I could only do this, and I'm going, well, Christ calls us to leave some stuff behind. I think we, we sometimes major this in what he's calling us into, but there's a challenge for most of us, actually what we leave behind. You see, the, the comforts, the challenges, comfort is a kingdom and a king on its own. We'll worship it in our world. We'll celebrate it. We'll do whatever we have to. We'll, we'll manipulate situations so we can get comfort. And once we've got comfort, we feel like we've made it. But comfort is a liar. God never created his army. He calls us to be a wild people. What happens with his disciples the first moment they get after Jesus is taken away from them? They go back to comfort, what they know. They become fishermen again. They go back and do their stories that they knew before again. Why? Because we default to comfort when we're outside of the presence of God, when our eyes aren't fixed on the warrior, the ultimate king. I told you it was going to be 20 minutes. I'm not stopping down. God's calling us, and he wants to deal with these things. And I'm telling you, in all these things, the stepping stone for us, for me, Durban and relationships and partners was a, a comfort was a place I had to leave physically. Not because I'd made it an idol, not because, but because for me, I knew there was more on the other side. And I stand and I get to stand behind a family where God is broken and, and bring freedom and healing. Going, God, if it was just for that one family. And as we plant a church in the middle of a city, I promise you, deep down in my heart, if just one person will encounter the love of Jesus, just one, not a rich person, not a poor person, just one creation of the living God, it's all worth it says, but I'm going to disturb your comfort. I'm going, to, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to disturb your comfort in these things. See, many have heard the call into, but comfort shouts louder all too often to stay. The second place where we need to leave is a place where God has actually supernaturally provided before. And not necessarily a place, it could be a relationship, it could be a workplace, it could be lots of things. But please understand, in Exodus 17, God's people are grumpy. They grumpy because they haven't got water. And Moses replies to him, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us, our children and livestock, die of thirst? You know the amazing thing about the scripture? In verse 6, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. God says to him, strike the rock. This is the first time, and he strikes the rock, and water comes from a rock where? At this place, God tells his people later to break camp. Why? Because it was a place. God had done supernatural things, brought water from a rock. He says, but the challenge is, I'm not the God who will only do one miracle in your life. See, I don't want to just tell the stories of when God healed someone in 1996 in a circus tent in Durban. Because God's still a healer. I want to tell stories of that time God called me to be generous, to be like him in 2004. I want to tell stories today. I want my kids to live stories that they come with me to my friend's farm and we get to tell them about a drought and how a mighty God orchestrates things so his children access the resources of heaven. And I'm standing at a black pipe flowing to river with brown, beautiful, pure water flowing into the dam, going, my God is a provider. My God is glorious. See, Mount Horeb provided the people, brings water from the rock. And, and maybe sometimes God's done a miracle in your story. Think, I'm just going to camp here. I'm just going to stay here. 
You know, see, when God healed the, 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 the demoniac, he takes his disciples across the stormy sea. He heals the demoniac. He doesn't say, stay in your cave. Now, what did he say to him? Go in. And the, the demoniac wanted to go with him. He says, no, no, no. I've healed you. I've restored you. Everyone else has kicked you out. I'm telling you, go back and tell them about the one who loves them. Don't stay here. Break camp. I think it would be easier for the demoniac guy to go to another town. All fresh-faced. I believe his scars where he'd cut himself were healed. I believe the stench of his urine upon himself and, and was gone. He was restored. I believe it would have been easier to go somewhere else. And God says, actually, I want you to go back and tell them. Break camp from this cave where you've been shouting demonic shouts every night. Break camp from this place where you were oppressed. Break camp. The challenge is sometimes it's harder to leave the comforts of what we know to step into the unknown of what God's called us to. And he's calling us at this time, more than just a church plant in the city as individuals, not to rely on their mechanics. Well, God did this at Horeb, so I'm going to stay at this place and get water from a rock. He says, why ask for water from a rock when I'm offering you a land flowing with milk and honey? And lastly, what about moving from a place where God has spoken before? You know what's another name for Mount Horeb? Mount Sinai. It's the same place. At this place where they were camped, at this place where they got comfortable, at this place where they're hiding in the shadow of a mountain was the place that God spoke to Moses and gave the Ten Commandments. At this place, God had spoken before to them and challenged them. So why would they move? God, you've spoken to us before. Why would we leave? Like the Mount of Transfiguration standing there, why would we go from this place? And he says, no, we must go down to the people. God speaks to them at this place. And the significance of Sinai in the story of God's people is that God speaks. But here's the challenge as he speaks to them again. He spoke to them in slavery and he speaks to them again and says, I want you in a land filled with milk and honey. Will you trust me? Sony believers telling stories of what God spoke to them years ago, decades ago, in previous generations, stories when God has spoken. I'm saying, no, I want to have a God who speaks in my life. I know that God is still speaking. I want to take a journey. I want to take my children on journeys of hearing God, of seeing Him. Say, God, what is God? Who is God like? What is He like? But I'm telling you to hear that voice and to step into the everything that He has for us. There's a whole bunch of things we're going to have to make decisions to leave behind. Like, actually, God, you did miracles there, but jeez, I want the miracles you've got over there. Oh, Mark, what are you talking about? I'm talking about your marriage and my marriage. I'm talking about business practices in times of economic recession to trust the voice of God and hear Him. Oh, it's not wisdom now. It doesn't make sense now. No, no, no. You see, the challenge is, imagine Joshua. Guys, he's broken the chains. He's brought us through. And here you're saying we must look at the Amalekites. Have you forgotten everything God has done? And you want to stay here? Yes, God has spoken here. Yes, He's brought water from a rock here before. But I want the milk and honey. You know what the story tells us? Quite plainly, Joshua goes in and a whole generation don't. Remember being 16 years old, going to a conference with a man named Dudley Daniels Priest and he said, anybody here want to do something crazy for Jesus? I stood on a chair. He said, stand on a chair. I stood on a chair. I didn't know what something crazy for Jesus meant. I'm so grateful for the call 
I want to ask you to do today. Don't you want to do something amazing for Jesus? Not something books will be written about necessarily. Not something, not just something where your father speaks and we listen. Like actually I'm calling you to love your wife more profoundly. I'm calling you to pay proper salaries in economic recession, but trust me, I will provide. I'm calling you to speak life when actually all you feel is something else, but speak in faith to them. Or will you break camp from the safety and the smallness of comfort? Will you break past from a place where I provided before so I can take you to a place of abundant provision? Will you take, break camp from a place where I've spoken before, but step into the more of the voice of God for your life? Because here's the thing, it won't just be you that'll be blessed, it'll be a city. And maybe you'll get in a car and you'll drive across on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock to worship in a profound place. And maybe that won't become your church long term down the line. But ultimately, maybe your worship and your presence blesses a city and opens up a well of life to our city. So that young ladies who are stepping up doing masters to see transformation come to our city can see that reality happen. See, Jesus speaks to us and calls us in these ways. You're going to have to leave pain to enter into healing. See, I can heal you, but if you don't leave the pain, that pain will pull you back into that pit, and you'll stay there. And then you'll come up prayer for prayer a few weeks later for healing again, and I might even heal you again, but you'll still go back to that pit because you can't leave that pain behind. You just got to leave it. You've got to leave disappointment to add new stories to your life, God's stories. You've got to leave comfort cycles of sin. Can I say that again? Comfortable cycles of sin. Not comfortable to God, but comfortable to your, to your conscience, to your theology. Comfortable to this world, but it's not comfortable to God. I need you to leave that behind so you can step into the more of what God's calling you to. It's going to come at a cost. And there will be challenges and not everyone's going to understand. Will you leave the place that God spoke and move to the place that God is speaking? Leave the idols he prov- that stood there and step into the shadow of his wings. The Lord our God said at Horeb to us, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Again, I refer to the disciples as I finish. They've seen Jesus. They've spent three years with Jesus. He's gone from them for but a few days and they're fishing again. Too many in the church are content having a faith. I have, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. Here's the challenge. You aren't called to have a faith. You are called to have faith. You are called to live faith. You are called to step into faith. And faith pleases God. It's the only thing that pleases Him that you can bring. And faith honors God. And I promise you now, faith honors God. So God loves to honor faith. He steps in. And he steps out into places and ways that we could never understand or imagine. He'll step into the lives of your children and give them favor in places. I watched my little boy run on a rugby field this week. He's like a foot and a half shorter than most on the field. I'm not even joking. But my heart swells as he steps up into that place and he gets the privilege and possibilities and God's favor upon his life. To be honest, for this little man, it was a big weekend. He, he, there are two English kids in his team. And 17, it's a team of 20 and 18 Afrikaans kids. And so I've watched him navigate a cultural difference. I've watched him face up to things. And he actually came to me the other night and said, Dad, I'm not sure I want to go on the bus. So, boy, you need to go on that bus. These are your teammates. You want to build Spunbo and we get him going. He comes to me yesterday and we're about to go home. He says, Dad, can I stay another night? 
Can I, can I come back on the bus? Can I see you tomorrow afternoon? I'm having a time of my life. I say, who are your mates? And he rattles off all names. I've, I've never heard him hang around before. I say, God, you're doing things. He will watch over our children if we'll trust you, if we'll leave places. So I ask you this morning as to honor my word, I've got to land. What are you prepared to leave? What will you leave? See, I can tell you what's lying ahead. But if you're not prepared to leave something behind, like the failure of a spouse or a business partner, like the disappointment of a parent, you're probably not going to walk into that which he wants to release you into. It's just a picture of God's people. It's not fancy preaching. But Horeb becomes comfortable. Horeb also becomes sinking sand. It's a slow lounge that offers so much but doesn't actually take us on the adventures he's got for us. God wants us beyond the slow lounges of this life and the comforts we can seek out. He wants us in the battlefields of this world, loving the broken, doing master's thesis. I love that. On homelessness in our city, stepping into the places where no one else will go, but it's going to demand something. We're going to have to leave some things behind. Can we stand up this morning together? I realize that felt a bit shotgun maybe, but I honestly believe God is speaking to us. He's prophetically speaking over us. The move into the city is not just about the planting of a congregation. He's shaking and shaping the wires of our life, the reasons we make the decisions we do. And I want to pray right now. Can we close our eyes? I want to tell you this morning that the disappointments of your past, your fears, are trailers that will limit what God can do in your life. And here's, I don't want you to pray about it. I want you to unhook the trailer this morning. Just unhook it. What does that look like, Mark? Forgive. Forgive someone. Make right if you have to. But there's no point us pioneering churches and doing amazing things if in our individual lives, God isn't getting deep down inside of us and the Spirit of God isn't bringing freedom and life in the new day that He has for us. Oh, Mark, I'm older in years. Oh, ma'am. Sir, I want to tell you about Maureen who sat in the service this morning who very old in years and unable to stand on the stage is getting baptized next week Sunday morning. And I want to say, will you be baptized again? And if you've never been baptized, will you make a decision to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost and walk into what He has for us as another step of obedience? God is with us. God is leading us. Let us move beyond Horeb and let us trust our mighty King. Our Father who art in heaven, we trust you this morning. Can we say that together? Our Father who art in heaven, we trust you.